Lord, we thank You that it's true that You're alive, You're the living God, that You're a God who speaks to us and longs to meet with us here this morning. So we open our hearts to You now as we look at Your Word together. We pray this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. I wanna add my welcome to you. It's so great to have you sharing with us this morning. Those who are joining us online as well, a big welcome to you. And I pray you'll be blessed and encouraged as we look at God's Word together this morning as we continue our series in James. Um, Last year as a family, we decided to hook up a caravan and head west, head out to Longreach and Winton for a road trip. Now, I'd never towed a full-size caravan before, so this is a bit of a new experience for me. But as we headed out of Brisbane uh, and we sort of hit the road, um, it wasn't too long before we came behind some other caravanners. Now, like any dad on a road trip, I had a mission of where I needed to get to. I had a time schedule to keep to. And I couldn't understand why these caravanners were sitting about 10K below the speed limit. And I was a bit frustrated by this. And so when I had an opportunity... Uh, I overtook them and hit the road again, put the foot down and um, made sure that we were, you know, making good time uh, for the mission that I was on. And uh, we got a little bit further ahead. And sure enough, I came behind some other caravanners. And again, they were going about 10 kilometres below the speed limit. And again, I was thinking, what are, the, what are these guys doing? Um, I'm on a mission. I've got to get to our destination. So again, when the opportunity came up, I overtook these other caravans and um, hit the open road again, put my foot down onto the speed limit to make sure we were keeping good time. Well, we got a little bit further along and um, then the comment came from the back seat that every dad on a road trip dreads. It was the comment that said, Dad, I need to go to the toilet. And I thought to myself, if I just pretend I didn't hear that, maybe the urge will go away. Just ignore it. Just pretend I didn't hear a thing. And so I just ignored it and we drove a bit further. But sure enough, it came again, Dad, I need to go to the toilet. And so I did whatever any loving dad would do on a road trip like that. And I said, well, can't you just hang on a bit longer? We're nearly there. Uh, You don't know, you know, this mission that we're on to get there. And I realised it wasn't going to work. So finally, I gave up and I pulled over at the next service station. Sure enough, as we pulled up there um, and got organised, all those caravans, all those cars that I had strategically overtaken just cruised on by, and I'm sure they were smiling at me out of their window. I'm sure they were as they just cruised on by. But I noticed something else as well as I pulled up that servo, and that is that my fuel gauge had dropped considerably. I was, the fuel was literally, the car was just drinking this fuel, and it was like this light bulb moment. I just clicked. I realised if I kept driving at that level, I I realised while these other vans were driving 10k below, because I was pushing the car too hard, it was just burning through the fuel, the further west I was getting, the more expensive the fuel was going, and I realised in that moment that my impatience to get to that destination was going to be very, very costly, it was going to be a very expensive trip if I kept driving like that, and in that light bulb moment from then on, I realised just to ease up a little bit, and it made a big difference, and I share that story because The same is true for us in life. Our impatience is so often very costly for us. It's costly in terms of our relationships with others. It's costly in terms of our own lives. And our impatience spiritually also carries with us a very, very significant cost. And today we're continuing our series in James. And we're looking at James chapter 5. And James says in this passage that patience is the key to experiencing God's blessings. Let's look at this passage together. You can follow along in your devices or in your Bibles. It'll come up on the screen 
as well. This is what it says, James chapter 5, reading from verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is God's word to us today. And this week, as I've been reflecting on this passage, I found myself at the grocery store, at the checkout queue, and it didn't seem to matter which line I picked, I picked the slowest line. Have you ever found that? And I prayed, Lord, give me patience. Please give me patience today. And then I found myself in the school pickup line, the kiss and ride pickup line. The queue was at a standstill and nothing was moving and I couldn't understand what was going on. And again, I remembered this passage. I said, Lord, give me patience. Help me to be patient. And then I was putting one of my kids to bed the other night and it was one of those nights where they um, suddenly needed to get a lot of drinks of water and needed to go to the toilet a lot and it was taking a long time to get them to bed and I was praying, Lord, would you give me patience? Help me to be patient. But I have a feeling that I'm not the only one who struggles with patience. I think it's a challenge for every single one of us and more than ever before because we live in a very hurried and fast-paced world. We want instant gratification that you can have it now, a world in which we live. And patience, which was once seen as a virtue, is now seen as a hindrance and an inconvenience. It gets in the way of progress. And delayed gratification has become obsolete. Well, how did this happen? How do we get to this place? Well, historians say it began with the industrialization of our world. And the more technological advances that have taken place, the busier and more hurried our pace of life has become. And for much of the 20th century, futurists were looking forward and predicting that the work week would get shorter because of technology and labour-saving devices. In 1967, a US Senate subcommittee was commissioned by Richard Nixon, and it claimed at the time that by 1985, people would be working just 22 hours a week or 27 weeks a year. Well, as you know, just the opposite of that has happened. We're in fact working more than ever before. We are jamming more in um, than ever before, living busier lives than ever. And subsequently, we have become more impatient than ever before in history. And our impatience carries a very significant cost. Uh, Physically, impatience is not good for our health. I was reading this week, impatience increases blood pressure, brings about a release of stress-related hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. It increases the risk of heart disease. It leads to poorer sleep and other stress-related side effects, which I won't describe because it won't be good for your anxiety, which is also a result of impatience as well. On the flip side, researchers found that those who learn patience are linked, people who live with patience are linked to better health, better relationships, a greater sense of happiness and fulfilment in life. And then spiritually, we know that our impatience, we're going to see this today, it undermines our relationship with God and has very serious 
spiritual consequences. So how can we, how can we grow patience in a world that is so fast-paced, so hurried, so impatient? Well, James helps us. And the first thing he says here in verse 7 and 8, he says, Be patient because the Lord's coming is near. Now, the early followers of Jesus, they were looking forward in eager expectation to Jesus coming again because they were facing persecution and hardship. And they knew that when Jesus came again, there'd be no more pain, no more suffering. He would come in justice to reign. So they were keen. They were looking forward to Jesus coming again. But now, nearly 2,000 years have passed since James spoke these words and still Jesus has not come. So what are we to make of James's words? You know, the coming of Jesus was near. Did he, did he get it wrong? Certainly everything in our world points to the fact that the return of Jesus is more imminent than ever before. But even if Jesus was to come tomorrow, it would still be many centuries since James insisted that it was near, that his coming was near. And that is certainly what, not what I would call nearness, what my understanding of nearness would be. And so some have said, well, this is proof that the Bible can't be trusted, that the early followers, they were deceived. But the Apostle Peter gives us a very clear explanation. He explains exactly, speaks exactly into this question. 2 Peter, um, this is what we read. It says this in 2 Peter chapter 3. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, he says here that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise because God's time scale is not the same as our time scale. And any seeming delay from our perspective is because he loves us. It's because he's a God of mercy and grace, a God of patience towards us. And he longs for every single person to discover eternal life in him. And we see this different perspective of time, even in our own lives. I was thinking about it. When you're, a child is waiting for Christmas, one week feels like a lifetime for them. And then as an adult, you seem to blink and Christmas is here again before you even know it. Or when you're at school, five years of study or university, five years seems like forever. But then you get older and, and as the years go on, you look back and you think 10 years is just like that. 10 years is is not that long a block of time at all. And so we understand this different perspective of time and we need to remember that in the same way, God's perspective on time is very different to ours. He sees things from an eternal perspective. And so James is saying, here's the first thing we need to take hold of. We are to grow in patience in our lives. Firstly, we need to remember that God is always faithful to His promises. By His very character and nature. He cannot be unfaithful to the promises He has given. Even if everything around us seems to indicate otherwise, we can be sure, we can trust God that He will be faithful to the promises He has given and that He is always in control, even when it doesn't seem like it. And the second thing He says is we've got to remember that God's timeline is very different to ours and that any seeming delay from our perspective, is for our blessing and for our good because He loves us. 
because He's a God of mercy and grace. It's been said that patience is a surrender to God's perfect timing and control. It's easy to say that, but how hard is it to live that out? How often do we shortcut God's plans? How often do we undermine the promises He has given to us because we think we know better or because we're impatient, because we feel pressure from others around us to step in? And and whenever we do, whenever we shortcut or we try to jump in and direct things, it's always a disaster. It always works out not for our blessing by any means, but actually for the exact reverse for us. And James is saying God's plans and promises. I want you to hear this. God's plans and promises are always worth the wait. Hear that this morning. They are always worth the wait. I remember for us as a church back in 2012, we needed more space. And so we began to look at expanding our original auditorium, the A2 auditorium. And we had plans drawn up and we had them costed. We had teams get together to look at this. We even took it to a church members meeting to get approval um, to go ahead with the expansion. And we were excited about this. But in the middle of this, the top property became available for sale. And when this unexpectedly came up as a church, we weren't sure what we were to do here, but we sensed maybe we need to at least think about this and pray about this and maybe... This was the step we needed to take. And so we, this is a big thing. We'd already taken it to the members and got it all approved. But we went back and we said, we need to pray about this. We think God might be calling us instead of extending to buy this property at the top. And as we gathered together as a church, as we prayed, we sensed strongly God saying to ditch those other plans and to step into what God was calling us to by faith. And we didn't know the fullness of what that meant at the time, but we followed And it would mean for us that we would need to wait another seven years until we could build. And it created a lot of pressure for us in terms of trying to welcome the crowds, but God helped us. But are we glad that we waited? Are we glad that we changed our plans? We are so glad. You were sitting in it this morning, this auditorium. If we had had gone ahead with our plans, I think now what would we have done if we had followed that? God's plans and promises, they are always worth the wait. And we need to hold back from trying to shortcut his plans, but be patient and trust in him. James also includes the example of a farmer to help us understand that that patience is part of God's design. He's put it into creation. He's designed us um, to live in this way as well. Farmers understand how important patience is when it comes to producing fruit and yielding a good harvest. Just this week, um, as Andrew mentioned the pastors went away for retreat at, at Dolby, the Bethel property there, and the Dion team blessed us incredibly. And it was so good just to get away, to spend some time waiting on God. But when we arrived up there, um, there's been a lot of rain up there, and they have a black soil, very clay soil. And when it gets wet, it is incredibly boggy. And one of the Dion team had actually got their caravan stuck in this black clay soil. Well, we rocked up fresh from the city, and we thought, no worries, we're here. We'll be able to help get this van out. And so we set to work, trying everything we could to get this van out. But um, rather than get the van out, I think we got the van more bogged is what we did in that black soil. And finally, we gave up. It was just too hard to get it out. The next morning, we were having breakfast and these two locals happened to wander into the property where where we were. And they said, oh, we just happened to notice you were having a little bit of trouble with the caravan yesterday. They said, oh, we actually had our binoculars out and we were watching from a distance and we were having a fantastic time. Fantastic laugh watching you guys. We had David Attenborough commentary going on, watching you guys come and try and get this, this caravan out. 
And they said, can we, can we help? Can we bring our tractor over? And we said, that would be fantastic. And they rolled over in this old 1970s tractor uh, and they just pulled that van out just like that. So easy. They made it look so easy. But farmers understand patience. They understand how important this is, that you can't rush the process of producing fruit and bringing about a harvest. You can try or you want to rush it, but if you do, it's going to end in disaster. It's going to end in a failed crop. They know this. And I think so often when it comes to spiritual growth and spiritual fruit in our lives, we want the shortcut approach, don't we? We want the instant results. And if we're struggling in some area of our lives, we say, God, why can't you just take this struggle away from me? Why can't you just remove this challenge or this this desire I have? Why can't you just heal me and just set me free now in this moment? And sometimes God, by His grace, does do just that. He works miraculously to set us free from an addiction or a trial or a struggle right there and then. And we love these stories. We love celebrating these stories. They're amazing. But I have found across the journey of life and looking at the Scriptures that these are actually not the norm. These are special gifts from God to encourage us. But the, the common biblical pattern we see in Scripture for spiritual growth and spiritual maturity and for, for lasting spiritual fruit in our lives is actually one of patient endurance. Daily trusting God in the small things. Daily standing firm in the midst of the spiritual battle. Standing daily against the desires of the flesh and and in the trials of life. This truth is not quite as appealing as the quick fix, God just solve everything approach. But James is showing us here that there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. There's no shortcuts to lasting fruit in our lives. It takes patient endurance. But I want you to be encouraged by this word this morning. Not discouraged, but encouraged, because sometimes we can think there's something wrong with me. Sometimes we can think, well, why hasn't God taken this away when I ask? Why am I still struggling with this issue after all these years? But James is showing us that as you patiently keep enduring and trusting God in the midst of the daily battle, and if you don't give up, Keep pressing on, just like the farmer, you can be sure that there is a mighty harvest coming, that there is a spiritual fruit, a lasting fruit that is coming, that He's bringing us to spiritual maturity. And so He says to us this morning, if that's you this morning, He says, don't give up. Keep pressing on. I am working in that situation. Last Sunday night, Beck Newton, one of our young adults, was baptised and she shared this in her own story about some health challenges she'd been experiencing and she was beginning to say, God, what have I done wrong that I'm experiencing this? And then she realised that actually God was using this to grow her deeply and that it was actually for her blessing and her good and what a shift that brought to understanding. To hear her testimony of this on Sunday night was very, very powerful. So don't give up, keep going, keep pressing on. And then James takes it further. And this is really where it hits the road for us. He says our patience, it's not just about our relationship with God, but we need to demonstrate patience in our relationship with others as well. Verse 9, he says, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. James knows that our impatient attitude is incredibly destructive in our personal relationships. I remember doing a parenting course here at the church many years ago now, but I still remember one particular line that the presenter said. It just stuck with me and I've always remembered it. He said these words. He says, remember that when it comes to your kids, 
Love is spelt T-I-M-E. And I heard that and thought, wow, man, that is something I need to hear that I need to take hold of, some very wise advice. We live in a world in which our relationships, often with our kids, is is experience-rich, but it's relationally poor. We, we were so busy doing lots of things and spending lots of money to give them lots of experiences. But all the time, what they really want, isn't it, is our, is our time, is our attention, is our very presence with them. And yet in our impatience, in the business and hurry of our lives, we can so easily neglect that very thing that our kids desire and need the most from us. And as a dad, as I've been preparing this message, God has been... Showing this is an area for me where I need to keep pressing into him for. But this principle is not just true of kids. For those who are husband and wives here this morning, if you're watching online, we need to be full of patience and love and grace towards one another. It's so easy to fall into the trap of grumbling against one another, being quick to point out the faults of the other and being impatient with each other. But our impatience with each other and each other's flaws and faults is incredibly destructive to our marriage relationships as well. How easy it is just to speak a word in our impatience that leaves a, a marking um, scar or a barb there in, in, because of our impatience with, with the other person. And then James is actually talking here about the church. He's talking to the believers in Jerusalem and they had begun grumbling against one another. And again, how easy is it in our impatience to do that, to cause lasting hurt and pain, to carry with us grudges or unresolved resentment and begin grumbling against others. It creeps in so easily in our impatience, making careless comments that can be hurtful. And James says, beware of this. In fact, he says, beware because the judge is coming and he's gonna judge us on our attitude of impatience towards others. And James is being really clear here that God does not treat this lightly, that this is very significant to God. And the reason for this is because he knows it's like a cancer that eats away at our spiritual life and eats away at our relationships with God and our relationships with others. He says, you need to understand how serious this is and where we have held attitudes of impatience We need to repent and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with the the fruit of the Spirit, to help us to change. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. It's right there to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And then to encourage us further on how important patience is, he gives us some real life biblical examples. In verse 10 and 11, he reminds them of the prophets and their patient endurance and the blessing that came even as they faced great trials. And he mentions Job, another example of blessing that comes through patient endurance. And then he reminds them as well, or in the Scripture actually, we are reminded in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, listing these great heroes of the faith who saw God do amazing things. But what are they praised for? As you read that section of Scripture, they are praised for their patient endurance, their persevering faith. They didn't give up. They kept holding on to the promises of God. And this led to God's blessing being poured out. In the same way in the Scripture, we see on the flip side, examples of people who are impatient with God and the costs of this, the cost of this impatience. And this is as a warning to us. They're there in Scripture to warn us. Moses' impatience with God's people in Meribah Kadesh robbed him of a trip to the Promised Land, if you know that story. 
Abraham and Sarah's impatience with God's promise to give them a child and many descendants led to the birth of Ishmael. And the fallout of that continues to this very day. Generational um, consequences that can come or costs that come from our impatience. And then there is the example of King Saul. And of all the examples, this is the one that I find most challenging myself. In 1 Samuel 13, we see King Saul has received all this plunder after defeating another uh, kingdom. And even though he was the king, um, he was not allowed to offer sacrifices to God. Only the priest, under God's direction, was to offer sacrifices to God. But he knew that they had to offer a sacrifice of thanks to God after his victory. And so King Saul, he's celebrated this great victory. He's got all this plunder and there's no priest around. He's waiting for Samuel to come to offer the sacrifice. But he's waiting and he's waiting and Samuel's taking a while to get there. And so in the end, King Saul thinks to himself, well, I've got a kingdom to run. I've got an army here. I've got to get, get on back home. And so he decided just to do the sacrifice himself, knowing that God wanted a sacrifice. And so he jumped in and he offered the sacrifice And just as he offered the sacrifice, Samuel arrived and Samuel said to Saul, Saul, what have you done? And Saul tried to, you know, explain his actions, you know, that he was doing the right thing, offering a sacrifice to God. And Samuel said to Saul, Saul, you have cut a corner with God in your impatience. You have disobeyed him. He said, today the kingdom has been taken from you. And as Samuel turned to walk away, we read that Saul in his desperation reached out and he grabbed Samuel's cloak and the corner of Samuel's cloak ripped off and Saul's holding it in his hand and Samuel, realising what has happened, turned around. He said to Saul, he said, Saul, just as the corner of my cloak has been torn away in the same way God has taken away the kingdom of God from you today. And I read that and I, I don't know about you, but I find that very challenging, very confronting For me, Saul, in his impatience, had literally cut himself off from God. It's a reminder for me of just how big a deal this is to God. How serious God says this is. Why is God so concerned about our impatience? Well, it's because it's, it's us in our impatience. We're setting ourselves up against God and saying, God, I know better than you. God, I'm, I'm taking charge. God, I don't trust you. That's what we're saying in our impatience. And so it cuts us off from God. It cuts us off from the blessing of, that God wants to pour out in our lives. And the key reason for this is because impatience is basically a different religion altogether. It's not Christianity. Because in our impatience, what we are really saying is, is, God, I want you to serve me. I want you to do what I want you to do for me. That's what we're saying in our impatience. And, and James's readers here who he's writing to, they knew that that was actually what paganism was all about. It was a different religion. That's paganism. And in paganism, they had lots of gods for different things. They had the God of the mountain, the God of the river, the God of fertility. You name it, they had a God for it. And what they would do is they would come and offer their sacrifices to these gods so these gods would do what they wanted them to do. They're trying to manipulate these gods. And what they were doing is really they were getting these gods to serve them and their needs and their desires. But James is saying that's not what the Christian message, the message of the gospel is about. Our God is the creator God, the one who created the heavens and the earth. And we do not come to get him to serve us, but we come to serve him. But more than that, this 
God who created the heavens and the earth. He emptied heaven of its greatest treasure. He gave his very son for your sake, for my sake. And in doing this, he demonstrated his love for us. He demonstrated the fulfillment of all of his promises. And he says, now I want you to serve me and to trust me, not the other way around. And so we see why this is so significant, why patience is actually at the very heart of what it means to have a trusting, personal relationship with God. And James finishes this section with these words. He says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is the final way to develop patience in our lives. And it is to always remember, to always keep front and centre in our lives, how patient God has been with us. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And then Paul's words in 1 Timothy, the band are going to come out as we come to conclude, but Paul's words articulate this so well in 1 Timothy 1. It says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him. And receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise God for His immense patience. His immense patience towards me. Praise God for His immense patience towards each and every one to our world. It's the most incredible truth, the creator of the heavens and the earth, holy God, that he would show such patience to patience towards us because he longs that not one person would perish, that everyone would know life eternal in him. This is our God. In the same way he wants this truth to grab hold of our hearts, that we would reflect God's heart in our relationships with one another, in our relationship with God to say, God, I know I can trust you. Even when things look chaotic around me. I know, God, I can trust you. You've shown me. You've sent your own son to this world. You've held nothing back. And God, help me. Fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. Help me. I can't do this on my own. Fill me with that fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Fill me, Lord, that I'm able to show this to others. And I believe as we live in an increasingly impatient world, as we are able to live like this, man, what a witness, what a testimony to those around us. Perhaps for you, you realise this morning that you've been impatient with God's timing. You've been trying to take the shortcut route. You've been in a rush to see things take place. Maybe you're feeling pressure even from others and you've been trying to take control. Well, this morning, you know, you realise what you're doing and God's just calling you and His grace and His love for you. So just, just surrender afresh. Reaffirm your faith and trust in me. Don't take the shortcut. Keep holding on. For others, perhaps there's a relationship situation where you realise that you've been too impatient and it's been undermining that relationship and destructive in that relationship. This morning, 
God wants to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you this morning, to fill him, fill you with that fruit of the Spirit, to enable you to love, to show grace. There's so many verses in Scripture that talk about the importance of us showing love and grace and mercy to others, just as God has shown that to us. Ask Him to help you in that situation. That He can bring healing and, and, and transform that relationship. And for others here this morning, perhaps you've begun growing weary in the battle. You just feel like this Christian journey, this journey, it's just too hard. I can't do it anymore. You feel like giving up. You wish you were seeing more spiritual progress in your life, maybe. Maybe you feel like, why am I still struggling with the same old issues? Well, I want you to take heart this morning. God is saying to you, take heart, hold on, don't give up. I am doing a work in your life, even though you don't see it. Even though you can't see it at the moment, just keep trusting me, looking to me. And if you do, there is a harvest coming, a harvest of righteousness, a lasting fruit that's going to come. It's going to have a huge impact. So wherever you are on the journey this morning, the call is be patient. Keep trusting in the promises of God. Hold on. Don't give up this morning. God is working. And so I want to pray. Ask God to help us as we seek to live as He's called us to live. Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word to us this morning. And we say thank You, God, that You are a compassionate God. You're full of mercy, slow to anger, Lord. We thank You for Your immense patience that You've shown to us. We are so undeserving, God. And yet this is who You are. And so, Lord, forgive us when we've tried to take the shortcut, when we've been in a rush Forgive us, Lord, when we've taken control or tried to follow our own plans rather than your plans, Lord. Forgive us when we've been impatient in our relationships with others, Lord. Help us, we pray. Help us to show your love, to show your kindness. Lord, for any this morning who are just doing it tough on the journey, feeling like it's all too much, I pray to encourage them this morning. Strengthen them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Through your Word, Lord, I pray. Thank you for your promise that a harvest is coming. If we don't hold on and don't give up, Lord, you're bringing a great harvest. And so bless, encourage, strengthen us. This morning we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we were away on the retreat this week, it was so good just to spend time waiting on God. It was hard to find the time to do that. Costly to find the time. But the blessing that came as we waited on God and our corporate response this morning, Andrew mentioned in two weeks' time, we're going to have a chance to pray together corporately. A week set aside to wait on God, to seek His heart for the future, the visions He has for us. I want to encourage you, will you come and join with us? Join with us on that day as we pray all day. Wait on Him. There are some powerful promises for the patience, for the patient in Scripture. Let me read you just a couple as we come to worship. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait on Him. Isaiah 49, 23, those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. Hear that this morning. Then Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hold on to these promises. We're going to stand together. Let's stand on our feet. We're going to sing this song. This song speaks to the truth that Jesus is coming soon. And when He comes... He's going to put everything right and it is so worth the wait. 
It's gonna be so worth the wait. We know that. So let's keep pressing into Him this morning. Let's worship Him and sing of this great hope we have, this assurance we have this morning. Let's worship together. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity There will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with He who died and rose again. Shout 
church as we give thanks for this incredible truth that we know. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank You. It's true that You're coming soon. You're gonna put all things right and say, help us, Lord, to have an eager expectation to keep trusting You in all things, great God. And Lord, strengthen us. Help us, we pray this very week, to shine the light of Your love to our world, we pray. We are so blessed to know You. And so blessed now, each and every one I ask, here and online as well, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' Name. Everyone said, Amen. Praise God. Can we put our hands together one more time? What a blessing to be together, to know these truths. You can grab a seat. If you'd like prayer, our prayer to be down the front. They'd love to pray for you if you're online. Make sure you connect with us, the hosts there. Helen would love to connect with you as well. Prayer at bridgman.org.au. Don't forget our welcome morning tea. If you're new this morning, do head on over um, for that as well. We'd love to greet you there, but God bless you. We look forward to sharing with you soon.